last week we began this series on the 23rd Psalm, and uh, we're going to continue in it with the banner of this 23rd Psalm being, I have all I need. And um, uh, last week we talked about this, we kind of teed up this series with that statement of, I have all I need, and it was fun to get the emails and the texts and the stuff of where you guys were when you'd text me and go, you know, I'm at the Mercedes dealership. I have all I need. I'm leaving now, you know. And I'm like, well, did you buy it? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, or wherever you were, you know, and just in, in, just in life, in life situations, it was kind of fun just to be a part of your lives, uh, and just to hear you say where you were when you just came to that realization, you know what? I have all I need in Christ. I don't, I don't need to pursue this. And so I encourage you to do that. Um, if we're not friends on Facebook, uh, look me up and, and let's do it. I, lo- I love to hear about where you guys are. And um, so it's a lot of fun. And this, uh, this idea of us being sheep is found in scripture. I have a couple uh, right here. Come let us worship and bow down and or, or Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And the next one says, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. And the 23rd Psalm was written by a shepherd about this God. And so what, what I'm hoping that we'll do in this next six weeks is not so much see how we are as sheep, but see this awesome God and, and the kind of shepherd he is. And so we set that up last week. And then this week, we're going to divide verse three up. We're, we're doing verses two and then ha- verse two and then half of verse three. If you uh, want to see that, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. This is all one concept. Um, the person who made verses in the Bible made didn't do it right. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the verse numbers are not from God, just so you, you know that I didn't just, I'm not going to get struck by lightning. Anyway, uh, but that's what we're going to go over this morning is this idea of being, of being in green pastures by quiet waters and having our soul restored. When I was about seven years old, um, my grandmother and grandfather owned this lake house in New Jersey at Kiratini Lake. It was a man-made lake um, with houses surrounding it. And in New Jersey, a lot of things are named like with Indian names. So I never knew what Kittatinny meant. It probably means man-made lake. But um, it was this man-made lake and we'd go out on it and, and we had a rowboat and we had this little sailboat that never worked and we had a canoe. And so at this young age, I could canoe out, you know, with my life preserver on and 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 I'd, I was like an Indian on Kittatinny Lake and 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 on the one end of the lake was this we called it the swamp <laughs> you know how it goes it's basically where they cut a bunch of trees down and, and when you when you um, uh, take your canoe you you have to be you had to be really careful or you'd run into the stumps but like when you'd look down at those creepy stumps in 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 that section of the lake it was really scary and there were frogs and my uncle would catch snapping turtles and uh shoot them and sell their meat to the butcher and then varnish it wasn't the greatest of elements but he'd <laughs> varnish the big turtle shells and he'd put them up on the on the wall um I'm about to think of another story next time. Anyway, um, 
And then, and then he'd go and he'd uh, catch frogs with a flashlight and, and, and he'd shine the flashlight in their eyes and then hit them with a stick. Yeah, you know what? And, and we'd eat frogs' legs. And so it was really, it was, I mean, for a kid, it was awesome. And you'd go fishing there and you'd catch these things. They were, we called them sunnies. I don't know what, really what kind of fish they were, but they were sunnies. And it was just awesome. And so we'd do a whole lot of that. And then all the adults would do a whole lot of drinking. Ah, so you'd get done from a long day of being in the swamp and you'd come home to uh, all the adults who were at that point uh, half wasted, uh, but there was the whole rest of the day, so just give them time. And, uh, <laughs> and so one, one day, um, my uncle and my dad were in an argument over something I'm sure was very, very important. Because um, when you've sucked down a few man in a can, you're ready to just kind of get into it. So uh, they were both drunk and somebody said something about my mom. It was either my uncle or my dad and either, both of them had to show that they loved my mom more than the other. Uh, and so... Um, my dad turned and my uncle jumped on his back and started hitting him and they got in this brawl at the top of the stairs. Uh, now the stairs, uh, is outside, the stairs were made of slate uh, that went down and they were all different sizes. Um, but that's okay. It wasn't dangerous because on either side were rocks. Um, <laughs> so you'd stay in, you know, you'd stay in just in case there was any problem. You wouldn't roll off the stairs uh, uh, onto the soft leaves. You'd stay within the confines of the chute of death. Uh, and it's particularly hard to navigate your way when you're drunk and have somebody on your back. Um, so they didn't quite make it. And so they fell down the stairs and my, my dad was covered in blood and my uncle was covered in blood. And it was just awesome uh, for a seven-year-old. Everybody was scared, you know, the whole thing. And so the police showed up. And the police, um, like, you know, when we think of the police, we think of the police. But this was the Kittatinny Lake Police. So it's not quite like cops or SWAT. Uh, it's just a guy uh, who is the volunteer sheriff. You know, kind of a, one of the guys who owned one of the homes around, and he's a volunteer. And so he showed up, and he talked to my uncle, and he talked to my dad. And then he put us in the police car. Now, as a seven-year-old, you're taught very quickly, never, you never want to be in the back of a police car because it means you've done something wrong. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out what I'd done wrong to be put in the back of this police car. And he put, he put all the kids back there. And then my mom was sitting in the front. And uh, I thought, is my mom like an undercover cop? But, uh, <laughs> which would have been so cool. Um, and he took us to his house. And it was, it was about that time when I began to realize he's, he's keeping us safe. He's pulling us away from the situation. And I can't tell you what it felt like, like a, for a seven-year-old to be in a policeman's house. Like that had to have been the safest place in the world. I didn't know that he was just a volunteer sheriff. You know, he's like Andy Griffith or whatever. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I knew he was a police officer and we were at his house. 
And we slept, we spent the night there. And I remember waking up. I mean, I had just had this thing that some people go through years of counseling to get out of their mind. But I felt so safe and so secure because I was in a policeman's house and his wife made policemen pancakes. <laughs> like these were the pancakes that policemen eat. This wasn't just pancakes. And they're way better than any kind of pancake you'll ever eat. Like the butter, everything's perfect. Policeman pancakes, best pancakes ever. I just felt so safe and so secure. And, and this is kind of how our Heavenly Father wants us to feel in Him. That no matter what's going on, no matter what you've witnessed at work, <laughs> no matter what you witnessed in the home, no matter what you witnessed at school, your Heavenly Father has prepared a pasture for you to lie down in. No matter where you go, your relationships are dying, your finances are going crazy, you're losing the house. That God has prepared this place. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul. The, the, the point for this morning um, that I hope I can get across um, is that we rest in the fields from which we eat. Now, I'll explain this in a, in a minute. We rest in the fields from which we eat. See, sheep don't go in one pasture to eat and then go into another one to rest. This pasture that's been set up does both. And there are four things that'll keep a sheep from lying down. Uh, pests, like parasites and flies and stuff like that. A, a, lot, a shepherd will spend a lot of time making sure that the, his sheep don't get parasites, don't drink out of dirty water, uh, try to keep uh, the, the sheep away from eating grass where there you know, is manure and all that kind of stuff. They try to keep those parasites down. The other thing that the shepherd tries to do is keep these flies away. And so oftentimes in a, in a, a pasture, there'll be some brush around... Um, around the pasture that the sheep can go into that the flies won't, won't bother the sheep. And so, the, uh, the, so there's parasites and there's e these pests. The, the other thing that'll keep sheep from resting is when there's, a, um, when there's dissension in the flock. Sheep are like any other animal that, uh, that, that stay together, uh, just like a church or a school. There is usually one or two or three sheep or cows or rams or kids or adults that try to get to the top of the pecking order, which is ridiculous when you think of sheep, like I'm the baddest sheep ever. Like, you just push them over. And it's like, wow, you, you're the greatest sheep ever. But isn't that what happens in the church? Isn't that what happens in fifth grade? I'm the coolest fifth grader ever. Well, until I start tickling you. I mean, it's like, it's like but, but it seems natural. And so it, it's, we see it all the time in ourselves. You, you, at work, everything's fine until there's that one guy who is fighting and clawing to the top. Or is put, and then all of a sudden, there's all this unrest. Sheep are no different. The other thing is if um, they are not fed, if they're not well fed, they'll constantly graze uh, for food. And so sheep, if they're fed, they will lie down, they'll ruminate. Uh, I, look, I didn't know any of this stuff until like a week ago when I read this book. So uh, don't, 
don't, uh, yeah, I'm not a herder myself. Um, and so they'll, 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 they'll digest their food, they'll, but they have to be full in order to do that. And then the last thing is they have to be free from all fear. If there's any startling, anything, they're up on their feet and they're scattering and the shepherd and the sheepdog and all that try to keep them together in this pasture that the shepherd has provided. As a matter of fact, all four things that that sheep needs to lie down, the shepherd provides. The sheep are horrible at keeping away parasites. They're terrible about living without fear. They're terrible about finding food. They often go off and they'll, they'll see something in the distance and they'll go over all this barren wasteland to get to this thing. They don't even know if they can eat it or not. They're terrible at it. They're terrible of, of, about, um, about this pecking order. Now, it's really interesting. The healthiest sheep are the ones that don't get involved in the pecking order at all. They're just calm. They just listen to the voice of their master, a lot like us. And so... The reason I, 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 my one point is that we rest in the fields from which we get uh, our food or from which we eat is that we're trying to find food in all sorts of places. We're trying to find meaning and purpose and sustenance outside of the will of God. And I personally believe that the pasture, that the cool water, that the restoration of our souls happens by the word of God. That as we begin to eat of the word of God, as we begin to look at the truth of what God says about us and about him and about each other, as we begin to just let that kind of fill us up, we lack fear. Those nagging things that we would call parasites are gone, right? The things that would just bug us, you know, about maybe somebody at school or somebody at work, as we kind of open up the word of God and we begin to just let that kind of fill us up, those other things don't matter. We get, we're full, we're content. The pecking order of things, it just, it doesn't concern us. Why? Because God's word is so rich of things that'll fuel us for our week. And yet, Oftentimes in my own life, I find that I'm, I, I, I see something in the distance that's away from my shepherd, and I go after it. And, and when, I've, when I've not found any food, not done anything, when I'm starving, I call to my shepherd, oh, I just want to rest, I just want to rest. We, we talk about this a lot in retirement. When I retire, I'm going to go, 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 go. And then when I retire, oh, I can't wait. When the kids leave the house, ah, oh, not, not in my case. Uh, um, when, uh, you know, when we, when we get into that house, I, I remember, you know, we had this thing in our, in our, when we first got married, you know, we wanted to get into a house, get into a house, get into a house. When we get into a house, it'll be ours and we can fix it up. And I remember getting into that house and that first night when you hear something creaking and you're like, oh man, it's going to fall apart. And then you start going in, you start fixing stuff. It becomes this huge thing. And you're like, oh, I wish I were renting again. And I could just say, the garbage disposal doesn't work. You know, I am holding out my rent until you fix it. You know, I'd never do that. But anyway, so, I I mean, it's this next thing. When I get married, oh, when I get married, I mean, it's going to be the best. I mean, we're just going to sit. We're going to look at each other. We're going to, who's my And we're just going to, oh, and she's going to cook for me every night. And I'm going to, I'm going to give her a massage and massage your feet and look into her eyes and say, wash your feet. No, Uh, 
all, all this stuff. It's when, 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 when. And God says, you can have it right now. Feed on the word of God. See what it says. Get filled with it and then rest in that. Our heavenly father has provided that for us. And sometimes the truth isn't really what we want to hear. And so we, we, we start to supplement it with things outside of what God would say in our finances. God's really clear that we should live within our means. That when we become indebted to somebody, we become their slave. And yet, it just, it just, it, 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 we, get, we start going outside of our, our income and we, we, we start getting into debt and it starts to snowball. And, 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 we, and we refinance our houses just to get some, we call it breathing room. And so we get this influx of cash and we go, oh, okay, good. We pay off all those consumer debts and our, our house payments higher and then we begin this process again. And God says, no, that is a field you don't want to eat in. You can't rest in that field. Come to this field, eat from this field and you will find rest. You will find cool water. I will literally restore your soul through the word of God. We do it in relationships where we say, you know, God has set out this blueprint for relationships. It's so simple. One man, one woman for life. The wife submits to the husband. The husband lays down his life for his wife. Okay? And you can pick either side that you want. I don't, you know. It's just, okay. Now, yeah, it's hard to do without question, all that, but it's the blueprint. And we say, ah, you know what, I, you know, that's cool, but, um, you know, I, this guy's really cute, or this girl's really hot, and all this stuff, and I'm just gonna, I'm just, you know, if I just, I want to try before you buy, and we start getting into these things where it ends up in, uh, now we're having sex with people, and all this, and we say, okay, now I just, now I just want to what? Settle down. And so we go back to God's blueprint, to rest. And yet we bring all that baggage with us and all that complication and all that history. And we say, now I want to rest. And God said, had you feasted in this field, you'd be resting in this field now. And so we do it with finances, with relationships, with all sorts of stuff. You fill in the blank. You, you, I've made all these mistakes myself. I just, just speaking from experience. And when I've tried to feast in one field and then rest in that field and it doesn't work. But God has provided a field that we eat in that we just almost fall over and go to sleep. You know, I used to, uh, when I used to read the Bible, and still now, I'll fall asleep during it, you know, during reading the scripture. And I used to feel so guilty about that, you know, because it's like, why can't I? I think it's awesome. <laughs> You're just like letting the word of God just fulfill Go, in, go into your mind and all, all the, it just chases out all those other things. You fall asleep. What a better way to fall asleep. You know, it's better than sports center, de- depending on the season. Uh, <laughs> but no, I want to, I want to read us a, a section of scripture that kind of just really brings this home for us. And, um, and it's this idea of, of making us lie down in green pastures because Jesus is the key to all this. I mean, we can even look to the word and still have no rest because it doesn't come with the grace of God, right? We, we look at this book and we go, man, I got to do more, got to do more, got to do more, got to do more. And the Lord's going, hold, hold everything. You're becoming a Pharisee. And so he, here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. And let me just set it up. Jesus has been kind of going, going over a talk 
and he stops and it's like he begins to pray in front of everybody and it's it's like it's like he's not even praying he's just like talking and he's just saying oh heavenly father i just thank you that you've hidden these from the wise and you've revealed these things to infants and he goes on and then then he then he just says this he says come to me that's so important come to me all who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest where's where's the where's the shepherd he's in the pasture he's the one he's in the right spot for the sheep always the shepherd is always in the right spot for the sheep the shepherd doesn't go into a lion's den and say come to me he doesn't go into this barren wasteland and say come to me he knows what the sheep need a good shepherd knows what the sheep needs and so when we look and we think, oh man, come to him, but, but I want to, just for a little bit, if you, I mean, it's just, a, I, I can see you, I'll be right there. Give me just a little bit of time. And we end up, and what happens is, uh, in, in, in sheep language, the sheep becomes cast down. When David writes, why so cast down, O my soul? A cast sheep is one that's on its back. And a cast sheep can't get up. I mean, it's awesome if you could picture this giant sausage with wool on it and then four toothpicks kind of going up. And so what'll happen is when that sheep, a sheep can lie down on its side and get up, but it, once it's on its back, it begins to flail around. And it's, for those of us who don't have sheep, it's just funny. I mean, to just to see them flailing and they're making all sorts of noise and you're thinking, man, what a, what a stupid sheep. Maybe you don't think that. I, I'm just like, what? What? worthless stupid what are you doing but that's me my heavenly father says that's you if i wasn't there to turn you over you'd die that way but i was just over in this one little field for a little bit i just got caught i didn't know that the ground was and here i am you know you know and, 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 and god's like oh man and so what god does is he restores our soul Psalm 23 says. He restores our soul. This happens when we're with the shepherd. If we're gone and we're not around the shepherd, he can't come and restore our soul until he finds us. And praise God, he's, he's on the lookout for us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That weary means exhausted. Burden just means that we've got these things on us. And you know what? Some of us have been carrying burdens. You've carried a burden in here. And that burden was given to you maybe when you were six years old from your mom or your dad or your siblings. They said you were stupid. They said you were fat. They said you couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. You were uncoordinated. And now every time you'd stumble or trip or do whatever, they go, ha ha, see? When they would do it just amount, and you began to believe it. And that thing began to be a, a burden on you. Somebody said you were stupid and some kids agreed and you've been carrying that burden. People said you'd never get into a relationship, you'd never get married. Some of you husbands have the burden of your wife. You're not measuring up to, to her dad. Some of you wives have the burden of you're not measuring up to his mom and you resent it, you hate it, and it's just a burden on you. 
Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Through the truth of the scripture, come to me. You are not like that. That is a lie. I have redeemed that part of your life. Some of us come in here with shame from our past, things we've done. You feel like if you told your pastor, you told anybody what happened, it was so bad that they would just reject you like that. That is a burden. That is a lie. That the enemy just keeps piling up. Jesus had this concept with the, with the Pharisees because the Pharisees would put this law on people and they kept saying, well, now you've got to wash your hands so many times before you eat and now you've got to wear this and now you've got to do that. And Jesus said, woe to you, you hypocrites. He was ticked. He said, you tie up heavy loads on people and you don't lift a finger to remove them. Jesus says, come to me. You got a burden. You have a, something that's on your heart. You're weary. You're tired of just trying and trying and trying to gain acceptance from people around you. He says, come to me. I've accepted you. I think you're awesome. He says, and you will, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, and I will give you rest. But then Jesus goes on because there are two things that he requires of us to find this rest. And Jesus, as we'll see in this next verse, it's not only rest, it's rest for our souls. It's exactly what uh, the Psalm two, uh, 3a is saying, you, that uh, you'll lie down in green pastures, you'll be led beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. But it does, it's not just to come to him, there's another part of it. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me both of these things happen through the word of god in order to take his yoke it's just a fancy word for slavery really i mean it's like this thing that you put your neck in if you were an oxen it's amazing god it's like your sheep your oxen it's like get out of it no i'm just kidding but it would go on the oxen's back and it would go around their neck and then the master would tell that oxen where to go to plow the field that's it. Take my yoke upon you. There's this act of submissive obedience that needs to take place. We don't sit in our field that has no green pasture, that's living outside of God, and tell Jesus to come and help us rest. We come to him and say, God, please restore my life. And we remove those burdens, and we get in under the burden of submissiveness to Christ. And then it says, and learn from me. Be trained by me. I, I will be the one to instruct you. Be instructed by me. And that sometimes is hard because we want to do what we want to do. We want that thing. We, we want whatever it is. And so we're going to put it on our credit card and let, let the interest accrue. We'll pay it off. But I mean, how can you not afford $23 a month? I mean, come on. That's all it's going to cost, really. And we go, and then we say, God, please. And he says, no, 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 no. Take, submit to me. Live within your means. Put my yoke upon me. Have a heart of giving. We do it in relationships. Yeah, but God, if I, if I don't date this guy, I, I, who knows where? This might be my last chance. That true love. Right? <laughs> this might be my last shot. What if no one else? And he says, will you just take my yoke upon you? Learn, and I will send you in a direction. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters the idea that he's leading means we're following means we're in submission to him through again what the word of god says 
It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So what happens to one of these sheep when they're cast is they die. If they don't get tipped back over with their little sheep legs under them, they die. What happens is, um, you know, they struggle and struggle, you know, with their, with their legs, and they yell out, and gases begin to form in their, bo- in their rumen. And, and they begin to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it cuts off the circulation to their legs, and it begins to basically cut off the circulation to their vital organs, and they die. And sometimes shepherds will, as they're with their sheep, they'll look up and see vultures circling, and they'll quickly count their sheep because those vultures know that sheep is going to be struggling and then that sheep won't be struggling and then they come in and devour the sheep. And so the shepherd will quickly count his sheep. Is there anybody missing? Oh man, where's, you know, Lois or <laughs> whatever they name the sheep. Sherman the sheep. Um, by the way, you missed, if you weren't here at uh, 1045, you missed Sean the sheep video, which was very awesome. Um, and so uh, they'll quickly count. And, and, and if they have all their sheep, okay, good. But if not, they quickly run to where those vultures are, are, are circling because they know uh, uh, how important it is for them to get to the sheep. Or if the sheep's just like that, then the wolves and the uh, mountain lions and stuff can just come and devour the sheep. But how the shepherd restores that sheep is beautiful. I was reading in this book, like I said, I, I, I've been really enjoying this book called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm and it's this pastor who is also a shepherd that kind of goes over all these things. Philip Keller is his name if you want to read it. It's really cool. But what happens is that shepherd comes and, and tips the sheep back over again and then straddles the sheep and puts its arms around it because the, because the circulation has been gone out of the sheep's legs if he let the sheep go it would just fall over. Now that would be fun for a while. Um, but that sheep is valuable to the shepherd. And so that, sh- that shepherd doesn't want anything to happen that's going to cause long-term damage to the sheep. And so what the shepherd will do is, is, is uh, straddle the sheep and get his arms around it to hold it up. And, and, and this particular shepherd, this pastor, would, would give it gentle rebuke. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You need to come back. Just getting that sheep used to the shepherd's voice. That shepherd, that sheep knows that it was its shepherd that came to rescue it. That to stay by the shepherd, this probably wouldn't have happened or had it happened, it would have been remedied very quickly. And that shepherd begins to massage the sheep's legs to try and get that circulation going. And then he'll let the sheep go and the sheep will stagger and sometimes be okay, other times fall back over and the sheep does this process again. What are you doing? Don't do that. Stay with me. Stay with us. Now, the sheep, you know, it, it doesn't know what it is. It's like, okay. You know, it's like, it doesn't understand English, right? It, uh, you know, oftentimes that's the thing. You know, we, we, we sit, we hear the voice of God, and we're going, I don't know what exactly he wants me to do, but I just want to stay close to him. Isn't that a beautiful picture of restoration? Jesus talks about it right here. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he goes on and he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm.